Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Warning, this movie has a big twist at the end, which is great, everybody loves a big twist, but it means that we're going to totally spoil it, and Mm -hmm. we spoil this one real quick. Mm -hmm. So... You know, if you think you want to see this movie, you should probably watch it before you listen to us. And, you know, if we think you shouldn't waste your time watching the movie, we tell you. And we're not telling you that. Yeah. So go watch it and then come back. We'll see you in a minute. An hour and a half. I believe that in cinema, there is a movement, a small movement, but it's there, to make movies that are titled not about anything that happens in the movie, but just about the movie itself, about how the movie feels. For example, yes, High Tension from 2003. So you're saying that while you watched this movie, you were feeling high tension, and that's, that's what they were hoping for, and that's how they titled it? At the least, that was the intent. You know, it doesn't describe anything in the movie, although obviously the characters are under a lot of tension, so... I mean, that's true about most movies. I I mean... Which is kind of my point. Kind of the point of stories. And, like, I think Die Hard is sort of close to that idea. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's hard to make a die. Or, like... Uh, every movie by Van Damme or in Steven Seagal, they have names like Deadly Impact. You're like, well, in the movie there are some Deadly Impacts, but that is insignificant to the plot. It's just, you're supposed to see it and be like, ooh, this movie has Deadly Impact. Do you feel like that's a good trend? I really don't have much of an opinion on it. <laughs> I just found it interesting. I'm not sure that like two and a half movies is... is... Okay, okay. <laughs> what about Scary Movie? doesn't tell you anything about what's in it it's just this is a scary movie yeah i i suppose if we went through like a list of movies there would be quite a few <laughs> I, I i can't think of any off the top of my head i still am not sure if this qualifies as a movement all right well then how about this the movie takes it one step further by being so french that the star of the movie is named cecile de france that is pretty french that is as french as you can get it's also known as haute tension. I don't know how to pronounce that, but <laughs> the French for high tension. Yeah. It's also known as switchblade romance, which I don't know. I, they just came up with that one. Yeah. I'm not even sure how that one connects to the movie, even after watching it. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of get the idea a little bit, like where they're going with that, but not specifically. So I don't know. The point is, well... Let me be clear, there was no point to the stuff I just said. But the plot of this movie is that Marie is going along with her friend Alex to visit Alex's family, who are American but live somewhere out in the rural France. Yes, have moved to middle-of-nowhere France six months ago and are just settling in. 
Yeah, and so they're going to visit, and suddenly an evil guy in a truck drives up and starts murdering the whole family. So that, I would say, causes fairly high tension. (laughs) Yes, it does. It does. Um, I was surprised, actually, at how American it all felt in Mm. that they were out in a farmhouse in the middle of a cornfield and there was a redneck trying to murder them all. I'm like, this is 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 very American. (laughs) That's our life in America, for sure. Yeah, which I don't think of other countries as having farmhouses in the middle of cornfields, but there are obviously other countries that do that. (laughs) There's a lot of farmhouses in France, definitely. Yeah. And I guess there have to be rednecks. I guess. I mean, you know, we we ta- we have talked before. I don't know if it's been in one of these podcasts, but we have definitely talked before about how a redneck in Minnesota and a redneck in California and a redneck in Florida and a redneck in Texas. And, like, rednecks are rednecks the country round, right? Yeah. They have all these, like, this its own special culture, no matter what state they're from. I know 43 ways to kill you with a pimento, my man. And what this movie makes me realize is that that also crosses international borders. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like we got a whole lot of details about this guy's culture, but he was pretty redneck. I mean, just even in the, like, big truck, carrying around a bunch of tools, you know, heavy set, wearing overalls. Oh, yeah, baseball cap pulled down. Right, right. You know, there's just, it's a thing. Murdering people, you know. Murdering people. Rednecks. Yeah. Redneck stuff. And he's got a friend whose car has a Confederate flag license plate, which is very French. I mean, was that his friend? (laughs) He knew him. He knew him? Yeah, he said, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? When he came into the gas station. I did not notice that. Yeah. Collecting severed heads. That that gives me severe pause now that I know how the movie ends. Yeah. What what was that then? Did the gas station attendant... We're talking big spoilers at this point. No, Marie... I would say yes. Or did Marie just imagine that whole interaction? Oh, there's that. Because there was also the thing where she's like, call the police and... That was not imaginary. But was it imaginary when she said it to the gas station guy? Oh, maybe. So, at the end of this movie, there's a huge twist, which is that there is no redneck guy. It's just Marie who killed the whole family and has kidnapped Alex. So, we have to go back and be unravel the unreliable narrator as you're hearing happen right now yeah and i'm feeling like it doesn't unravel well i think it might not the thing is that it's not like a one-to-one simple change it's that it was an elaborate fantasy and the reality was something very different basically like it, it was only kind of related yeah which feels like a cheat to me like yeah as far as storytelling goes Like, the unreliable narrator is amazing. Like, I love an unreliable narrator. Especially when you can go back and see what was really happening and how it was all unfolding and how what the person in their head was seeing versus what everyone outside their head was seeing and how those two interplay. But what I don't understand, and we don't really get any... We don't get this. There's no going back and, like showing us the scenes the way they really happened. Well, there's one scene that we see that way. But so when I go to envision it, I can't imagine what was really happening. And I feel like that's because it doesn't really work. She got up. She went outside and sat on the swing. Well, you know where the problem comes in is, so she could have come back in and killed the family. But where'd the truck come from? 
she had a truck parked nearby? Right. I don't know. That doesn't even add up because how would she get to her truck? Did she steal Alex's car and go get the truck? And also, how was it that the guy in her head drove off in the truck with Alex in the back and then she chased after him in a different well, vehicle? Yeah, I was, how was she driving two vehicles at once? I was assuming that just didn't happen at all and she was just driving the truck. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I feel like there's some complexity that either needs to be explained well or it doesn't quite work. Yeah, I think the twist, I mean, it undermines everything that happened. Like there was, in a way, it, it answers an issue that I had. I kept hitting in my notes. I'm like, this guy is way too smart. He knows everything that's going on and he she can never get away from him because he's so smart. Mm-hmm. And I then I turned that around and I was like, actually, you know, in other movies like this, you've got like Jason or whoever, and they're not smart. But they're absolutely indestructible. Right. And that's indestructible way... and tenacious. Yeah. That is far less interesting than this guy just being very smart. You know, he's he's thinking ahead of you and he's figured all this out. Like that's actually much more interesting than I, just being unstoppable. I was kind of impressed with that. I'm like, this is the smartest redneck bad guy we've ever <laughs> seen. I, I I'm yeah. kind of intrigued by that. I mean, it, it makes the story kind of hard because, you know, what do you do if he just comes up with everything ahead of you there's it's weird but it turns out that's because he wasn't there and it was just a story yeah so it fixes that problem i guess but yeah the whole thing doesn't add up and that means what were we watching i don't know I don't know either. Okay, so part of me feels like there was some interesting story there that if if they had really puzzled that all out and and made it work yeah that i would have enjoyed it But the other part of me is like that interesting story hinges on some very problematic representation for both LGBTQ people because Marie is in love with Alex and like that's why she goes crazy and murders everyone. She kills her family so that no one will ever come between them. Yeah. So that's a little problematic, but even more so is the problematic representation of disassociative identity disorder because i definitely feel like that's what they were trying to go for here is that she because she didn't realize when when marie was marie she didn't understand why alex was afraid of her yeah like she's like i am saving you and she didn't realize that she wasn't yeah she had no idea why alex was swinging a knife at her and freaking out and she's like stop it i'm here to save you how ungrateful are you (laughs) and i i'm always hesitant around any movie that relies on did as a story premise because it's such a misunderstood situation yeah and unfair right and that is already a problematic thing for people to deal with and then to only have negative representation in the world is is, it just makes it that much worse you know it's like sharks i really only ever get (laughs) they're only ever portrayed as murderers and that's problematic for sharks i wonder if there has ever been a non-evil disassociative identity character in something the united states of terra i was just yes maybe i just thought of that you know she's yeah, I think that's very appropriate. It's probably the only one. <laughs> it might be. 
I remember we talked about this when we watched Split. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. That was several years ago. And again, that that it became like it's an interesting premise, but it also it, it just adds to the problematic representation in the world. So yeah. I struggle with that. I mean, it's a little bit tricky to complain about that because it feels like that's sort of opening the door to everything. Like most movies have men running around killing people. And it's like, yeah, most killers are men, but that's a stereotype. That's not fair. Isn't it though? Aren't most killers yes, men? Yes, <laughs> it's true. Well, okay. Th- I mean, that is it a stereotype? <laughs> that doesn't really, that doesn't work because not most DID people have problems. Right. Um. Okay. So when when I was complaining earlier about the LGBTQ representation, you pointed out yes, gay people can be murderers too. Don't put them in a box. Okay, which is fine. Yes, the problem comes in, and and I think at in this day and age, we're starting to see enough. Not enough. We're starting to see more representation of LGBTQ characters who are just normal people. So then, when you have the abnormal ones, it's like then it's 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 a form of equality. Like yeah. you said, they can be murderers too. The problem with the DID character is that yeah. there are no, like we were talking about earlier, there are no non-murdery DID characters in media. Yeah, it is a problem. I think it's kind of a shame just because, okay, here's what I want. I want them to put in all sorts of positive DID representations so that we don't lose this plot line because it's so useful like what a fun scenario to work with this idea of different characters in one body let's not throw that away let's put in all the positive ones so that we can use a few evil ones i mean i think that argument goes a long way i mean i think (laughs) i think we've been arguing that with every minority ever and you know that just highlights the much bigger underlying issue of we do a bad job of representing minorities in anything but the mainstream right in any storytelling format i mean it's just that's the thing and that is something that's being addressed more and more but then we we run into the whole like well how dare you tell me to stay in my lane argument yeah and all the it time completely misses the point but i i think you're right there aren't enough people who understand that effort <laughs> what needs to happen to fix it in order to make it work at this point because that it applies to so many things like i can think of you know little people in oh yes in storytelling almost never playing anything that isn't special or freakish right or you know People who are fat or people Mm -hmm. who are missing limbs or, you know, people who have any kind of disability whatsoever. I mean, even just think about deaf people. We only ever see them in horror movies if it's something like The Silence or A Quiet Place. Like, Yeah, it's necessary. Right. There can't just be normal deaf people. Hush. Yes. And those are, uh, well... The silence, not so much, but the like, other ones are good. A quiet place and hush are both amazing stories. I liked the stories, and I like the representation. I mean, I guess they're in those stories, though. The deaf people aren't the bad guys. No, but I wouldn't. You know, like it would be interesting to have a story where the deaf person was a bad guy. But again, we need to just include more deaf people in general. 
And that brings to mind Don't Breathe, which is about a blind bad guy. He's not really the bad guy. It's about people breaking into his house. And if I remember right, he goes around trying to murder them. And they think, oh, he's blind. This is going to be fine. But no, he's pretty good at murdering them. Yeah. So, yeah, sort of the bad guy. But you know what? They deserved it. <laughs> they did. I mean, there's an inch. That's that's one way to walk the line. It's like <laughs> here's a disabled person who is murdering people, but they deserve it, so it's okay. I don't know. I mean, the same thing happens with you know black characters or yeah. indigenous characters or Muslim characters. Like so hmm. many, and not just in horror movies, but like yeah. across the board, they only show up when they are the victims or the bad guys. They can't just be normal people. Yeah, and we're, you can see it shifting, you can see it moving, you know, we had his house with some representation going on Mm -hmm. this month, and Mm -hmm. it's in there, and it happens, Mm -hmm. but it's a slow process. It is, and it's still something that I would say the majority of filmmakers and storytellers don't even consider. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not even that they don't do it well, which is another problem, but that they're not even trying to do it because they're like... I don't understand the problem. These people all look like people I know. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the problem. That is, you just described the problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've talked about how the representation is problematic, and we've talked about how the plotting of it is somewhat problematic. Yes. Um, were there things about this movie that you liked, that you thought were done really well? Well, you know, when this movie started, first 20 minutes or whatever, I thought I wasn't going to like it. I thought it was going to be, you know, two girls getting kidnapped and tortured. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all we were going to see. And we do, it's, this is going definitely in the genre of people getting stabbed with knives repeatedly. Like, mm-hmm. fits right in with the rest of our month. It feels very, well, like you mentioned before, it feels very like Jason, Freddy oh, yeah. Krueger, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, just bad guy continuously chasing after until yeah and nobody can stop him yeah but disregarding the twist at the end the way the story goes he comes in and he's murdering everybody and so you've got that thrill for the jason crowd Mm -hmm. of watching his inventive way of killing people but then he never finds marie he has no idea she's there and she keeps sneaking around and almost getting a chance to do something, but never doing anything. Just a little weak, but turns out there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are times when she does do things. Yeah. The the scene with her wrapping the barbed wire around the end of the pole and turning oh, like well, that's making later. Yeah. the punkest weapon ever. That that stuff's great, and that's what I'm saying is it goes from that to her chasing him mm-hmm. and trying to do a rescue, and that's all very high tension yes and it's exciting and i really liked that i liked the story like this you know you think of horror is supposed to be people suffering basically like you're there's no upside it's just bad things happening and that's what makes it horror Mm -hmm. but you get just as much thrills and fear out of this situation because she's you know, up against this unstoppable killer. It's very risky the whole way. And so there's all the same tension. It's just he's not the chaser the whole time. She's chasing him. And I was really waiting for it towards the end. It 
just had one little fight, but I was hoping for more of an actual turnaround where she was truly chasing him and he had to get away. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I'm out. This yeah. is too much. I'm going to go find me some other easier to kill Chick. And that barbed wire club that was like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is it. And that was a great moment. And it was getting exciting. But then it was just one little yeah. slap fight. Well, one little violent <laughs> beat down. And then it was over. Yes. I liked how this, even though it was a redneck guy inflicting suffering on women at its core, yeah. I liked that it didn't have that exploitative feel to it. It felt more like a Captain Marvel version of (laughs) a horror movie. You know, it was, yes, this was happening, but she had agency and she had strength. And, you know, there were things about her that didn't leave me feeling like my entire gender was being represented as weak and vulnerable. Yeah, because sometimes they're serial killers. (laughs) And sometimes... Yeah. So I I did, I liked that. It didn't have the same really gross feel to it that some of the movies we've had seen this month had. Yeah, I think so. And really, I feel like if you disregard the twist, I like it. I like the story and the way it goes. And it was not hard to watch, like a lot of the torture stuff we've seen. It was, there were some gory bits, obviously, where people are getting smashed in the face and stuff. But it was it was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. You know, it's just interesting. Okay, but there were a couple of moments. So every once in a while, something happens in a horror movie that is just so unexpectedly violent that it shocks me. It makes me think of Hereditary where mm-hmm. like I don't even I kind I lose my I lose my words even because I'm so shocked by what happens. And this had one of those moments that was just so unexpectedly disturbing and violent. But then with the twist in place, I'm like, what even was that? That, that didn't, didn't even happen. No, that never happened. It was just imaginary. And so, like, it was fun in the sense that it was so upsettingly surprising at the beginning. But then once the twist happens, I'm like, oh, well, now it, no. Yeah, the twist is the is the trick in this movie. It's the challenge to how you feel about this movie because there's a bit right when the twist happens, first of all, where you're like, what? And it's mm-hmm. it's cool and it's a big moment. But then your brain starts to catch up and hit all the previous bits of the movie and you go, wait a minute, this mm-hmm. doesn't work. And then there's a later bit where post-twist, the monster guy is still chasing Alex but we know that it's actually Marie chasing Alex and there's like a, a back and forth section where mm-hmm. where the monster guy's going yelling at Alex, I'll take care of you and it cuts to Marie yelling at Alex, I'll take care of you which right. is funny. I did like that. I liked that that like hearing the line and knowing even before it had been said the second yeah. time, I'm like, ooh, that goes two ways. That's fun, like the two different characters in her head are saying yeah. these words in different ways. But, but yeah. since it doesn't work, it's just, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Ratings. So therein lies the crux of high tension. <laughs> There's a high tension between whether it's a good fun story with a fun twist or whether the twist just splatters it all over the roadside. And 
I think for me, I'm going to come in kind of on the high end because I really enjoyed the pre-twist action. And the twist did add something fun to it, even if it caused problems as well, significant problems. But it added fun moments, too, where we got to have our jaws drop for a moment before we figured out why it wasn't good. I'm going to give High Tension four handheld cutoff saws out of five, which feels a little bit high, honestly, but it was fun when it was fun. I I felt high tension. Not crazy high tension. I've had more tense movies, but high tension throughout. And, uh, you know, very fun that it was her chasing him for a significant portion. Mm -hmm. I liked that. Mm -hmm. I am going to also give it four handheld cutoff saws out of five. I thought you were giving me a look that mine was too high. I mean, okay, here's the thing. It is too high. It feels (laughs) like it's too high, but a three and a half feels too low. Okay. 3.75. Just and and we don't do that. No, we don't. So I'm rounding up for the sake of kindness. I must be in a good mood today. I'm giving it four. So the four is for the first watch through because there were moments of like, ooh, ah, what? Yeah. And I enjoy that. And we haven't had a lot of those this month. Not a lot. So I'm giving it a four for that. It is more like a three if you watch it the second time, I I think. Yeah, it's not one that improves. No, because I think if you watch it the second time, everything that happens, you're going to go, wait, but how, what is really (laughs) happening here? That doesn't make any sense. Who, what, uh... Like, I think it would fall apart completely if you watched it knowing the twist. So unfortunately, if you have already listened to this and you haven't watched the movie yet, <laughs> you're ruined. getting a lower scoring movie than if you had yeah. watched it before. It's nothing we can do about that. But, you know, it was kind of fun to watch. And it didn't leave me rage watching, which yeah. I have done a lot of this month. Yeah. So I, I have to give I have to give a little extra points for that. Although I will say... I think if I were a little more sensitive personally to the whole DID thing, I would maybe have rage watched a little at the end. Yeah, that's understandable. It is not good representation by any means. No. But there we are. Like so many of the movies we've watched this month, this one had an evil twins. All of the movies we've watched this month. Oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even catch that before. (laughs) What was it again? Oh, the evil twin to high tension is the classic parody horror movie, High Anxiety, from 1977. Mel Brooks. Yes. This was a very Mel Brooks movie. It very much was. Are you a Mel Brooks fan? Well, that's the problem. I hesitated to put this in the list because I'm actually not a Mel Brooks fan. Okay, I don't understand that because you are a Leslie Nielsen fan. You and your sisters quote Airplane all the time. (laughs) Yes, we do. Oh, it's a big, pretty white plane with red stripes and curtains in the window and wheels and it looks like a big Tylenol. Now, to be fair, I haven't watched those movies in like 20 plus years. And I, I mean, I think they're very questionable and I probably wouldn't enjoy them that much today, but in my, it's like the Holy Grail. I saw that kind of more recently and was like, oh, this isn't that great. (laughs) But when I was young, very funny stuff. Yeah. While we were watching this one, 
I was reminded strongly, well, obviously because Mel Brooks was in it, but also there was an at least one other actor who was also in Spaceballs, which was oh, yeah. probably the movie I watched more than any other movie when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I had that movie memorized front to back. The radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. Jammed. Raspberry. And there were definitely moments in High Anxiety where I was like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, this <laughs> yep, is familiar. Yep. I recognize this. And I kind of wish I had watched High Anxiety when I was a kid because I mm-hmm. would have loved it. This is my thing. Like, airplane movies are completely outrageous. Like, moment to moment, it's one joke after another, and they're all really, really stupid. And it's just nonstop insanity. Whereas the Mel Brooks movies, they're more, way more reserved. They're kind of like a long setup to a punchline, and you're like, oh, okay. And the punchlines are just as dumb as the airplane punchlines. Oh, for sure. But with this long setup of like normal conversation first to get you to the point. There's a little more actual movie to it. Like, I feel like most of the jokes, maybe it's not most, but a lot of the jokes are just... This guy's got a funny name. This nurse has Madonna breasts. Like, (laughs) and they never even referenced that at all. They did not. They just, which I think was part of the joke. Pointier and pointier (laughs) as the movie went on. And that's just like that's not that funny. It's just dumb. I mean, it was kind of funny. (laughs) I didn't laugh. There were parts during the movie where I laughed. I I liked some of the jokes. There are some standard jokes, too, that show yeah, up in all of these movies. There like sure the, are. Like the, we're panning forward, and then we crash through the window. Because, yeah. like, that breaking of the fourth wall in ways that are ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but the driver who, like, four times had to pick something up and was like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I don't, I don't got, got it. it. <laughs> Isn't that uh, something that has happened elsewhere? Uh, for sure. And just the, the repetition of it. Like, there are certain things. There's repetition. There's breaking the fourth wall. There's extreme exaggeration where they're like, hey, uh, you need to blow up this photograph so we can see the face in the <laughs> yeah. background. And they blow it up to, like, the size of a, an entire, like, two-story wall. Yeah. Like, you know, there are those things that happen. And it's just, it's a very juvenile humor. Like yeah. like I said, if I had watched this during the time period when I was obsessed with Spaceballs, I would have loved this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. And I liked it more than I expected to this time because it is a parody of all those Alfred Hitchcock movies. Right. I, it was the only movie I could find that matched with High Tension, but I was like, oh, this is a good one for Sully. Yeah. And there were a couple of funny things. There was reference to the birds, North by Northwest, and a few other ones. My favorite one, though, was their spoof on Psycho. Yes. With the shower scene, which was hilarious. <laughs> that was probably my favorite moment in the movie. Like, yeah. That was funny. And this bellhop guy was just so angry the whole time and it paid off in that scene it It made no sense before that it did and you know what i really would if there were a modern remake of this i would want billy eichner to play that character (laughs) that would be awesome he would be perfect for it now see that'd be really good i feel like modern comedy we've come a long way baby (laughs) 
Have we though? Because Billy Eichner is a thing. I like Billy Eichner. <laughs> All right. Well, how do you rate high anxiety? I think for me, it's just, it's too slow of a style of comedy. You know, what's funny is we watched right after this ended, we watched not a very good show, uh, it's rude of me to say, but Home <laughs> Economics, we saw an episode right after we watched this, which is a sitcom. And, you know, it's just a cheesy, regular old sitcom. And I was like, this is much funnier. Like, it's snappier. It's constant jokes. And it's still, it's telling a story. It's setting it up. And I'm like, this is better. Like, this old comedy is too dragging out between the jokes. And it's, I don't know. I'm I'm a more modern fellow. I think that the same would have been true back when you were a kid, though, because you liked Airplane, which is just nonstop chaos. And I do not like the Airplane. I don't think I even liked the Airplane movies when I was younger. I found them obnoxious. You are correct that they're obnoxious. (laughs) So I give this two and a half glass elevators out of five because it's... It's not terrible, but it's definitely not the movie for me. And I will say, my parents had this movie on a, you know, homemade VHS tape recorded off the TV. And I think I put it in a few times and, you know, played a bit of it and was like, eh, and turned it off. Like, it did not appeal to me. Blazing Saddles and Spaceballs, like, those are movies I could watch. But less so this. Well, I feel like you have to, like, how many... Hitchcock movies were you watching at that point? That was not my thing ever. So I think there's an element of if it's referencing something. So like Mm -hmm. Blazing Saddles to me, not at all remotely (laughs) interesting because I am not at all interested in Westerns or anything referencing Westerns or anything that makes me think it might reference Westerns. (laughs) I don't even know what Blazing Saddles is. What about Westworld? That's sci-fi. That's not Western. Very much references Westerns. Okay, but... It has enough sci-fi that I'm interested in it. Okay. Same with same with Firefly. Ooh, There's a lot of Western yes. in Firefly, but there's enough not Western that, See, I'm, it's that I'm into it. Because I have zero interest in Westerns, but I love everything that references Westerns. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't even know. Like, I've never seen Blazing Saddles because the name makes me think it's going to reference Westerns. And I'm like, bleh. Well, it, it is. It's a Western. <laughs> I don't really remember it, but I think it's more goofy than this movie. Less less plotty, more jokey like Airplane. Yeah. But I could be wrong. That's just probably... I probably thought this was goofy fun when I was a kid, too. Yeah. So I am going to give this three and a half okay. um, glass elevators out of five because it's referencing material that I enjoy. And yeah. so I think that adds to my enjoyment of this. I will like to go back to my previous comment. I actually watched Alfred Hitchcock Presents quite a few times, many episodes, when I was younger. But that's different than what they were referencing here. Yes. That wasn't actual Alfred Hitchcock movies. No, it was just a series. It was like The Twilight Zone, but less yeah. fun than The Twilight Zone, which I liked much better. Yeah, well. So, I mean, I think between that and the fact that there was more story to it in between the stupid jokes at least there was something i could sink my teeth into because if it had been even if it had been referencing hitchcock but had been at the pace of airplane i would have not been able to tolerate it i think yeah i mean it's the same with monty python stuff like there's some monty python stuff that has actual storyline to it amidst all the ridiculousness and i can like 
get into this story and then be like, ugh, rolling my eyes at all the <laughs> puns and whatnot. And then there are the ones that are just nothing but back to back to back to back puns and nonsense. And I'm just like, no, why? It's pining for the fjords. <laughs> So yeah, three and a half. I enjoyed it. It was funny. I think it's it's dated at this point, but it, as long as you know that going into it. Oh, it's, yes, it's very dated. But I have a question for you, Soli. Yes? What keeps you alive, 2018? <laughs> what keeps me alive is that I need to see what we watch next. Well, we're going to watch What Keeps You Alive from 2018. And... And the evil twin, Buried Alive, from 2007. It's the closest I could get. Okay, okay. I mean, it's maybe one of the weaker connections, name-wise. I, name I would wise, admit that, yeah. But I, I see it. I mean, alive, alive. All right. Oh, programming note. When I say Buried Alive from 2007, there are about 70 million movies named Buried Alive. Oh. So many that in 2007, there were two of them. <laughs> We okay. want the one that stars Tobin Bell. That's the one we're watching. All right. Well, we will be back here tomorrow, alive and well, to talk about these two movies. As long as we can f get enough of what keeps us alive and, you know, not get buried alive. And not get buried alive. All right. Adios. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir. Because, you know, French. Solange. is not very okay. like specific because that's right. what they all do <laughs> i don't know if that's what the words mean though i mean what about that saw was cut off nothing it causes that's my point it oh wait no it's that's not my point that's your point do. that's your point that not was... my point i don't like your am i you <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute the twist then what was happening at our wedding <laughs> Everyone was wondering that. <laughs> okay. <laughs>